So I think one of the biggest differentiators I've seen is there is a push for entrepreneurship. So the idea is if you have an idea, there will be someone here that can help you take that idea to the next level, right? And so that has been a dramatic difference in you know what I used to see. And I think that's 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 pretty interesting from 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 a Canadian perspective. This is episode 18 of Hustle with Harmeet and you will be listening to my conversation with Nareen Balakrishnan, Principal for Tax, R&D and Government Incentives at Grand Thornton. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh and I'm your host for this show. Every week I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Nareen Balakrishnan. With our 15 years experience in information technology, including the last 12 in professional services and consulting, Nareen helped clients across all industries file maximized and substantiated tax credit claims. He also provides support in other tax incentive, advisory, and compliance matters. A principal in the R&D and Government Incentives Group, his area of specialty is in technology, media, and telecommunications space. Here, he supports clients in the software information technology realm. This includes specialty areas such as AI, ML, mobile application development, blockchain, fintech, aerospace, and defense. When working with clients, Narain supports them in a number of areas including determining eligible expenditures, preparing technical reports, reviewing documentation, incorporating best practices to maximize claim size, and handling potential CRA matters including audit defense. Narain is heavily involved in business development initiatives, developing strategic partnerships with technology associations, and working closely with startup companies to help them get to the next level. In his spare time, he also volunteers to raise money for the United Way and other community organizations and charities. In today's episode, Narain shared his insights on how he transitioned from a computer science student to advising startups in tax and compliances matters, what differentiates Canadian tech startup ecosystem from the rest of the world. Narain shares with us the role he plays in his current organization and how it is benefiting many of his clients. We also analyze a scenario discussing the different services he is able to offer to a startup client. Are startups really in a position to avail services from big firms like Grand Thornton? How startups are disrupting the tech space in the North American market and particularly Canada? How startups have responded to the COVID-19 challenge? Ways through which a startup can prepare for financial instability before it actually happens. We also discuss the best business development channels to get startup clients on the board and a lot more. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number 18. Hi everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Hustle with Hermit and today we have with us the one and only Narain Balakrishnan. Welcome to the show Narain, it's great to have you here with us today. 
Thank you, Hermit. Thanks, thanks for having me. So I have known Narain for quite some time now. And he's someone who is very passionate about startups, technology, as well as business development. When you talk to him, you could see that passion, that energy, and that enthusiasm levels which he brings to his work every single day. I'm sure you must be curious to know more about Narain. So let's hear it straight from him. Narain, can you share something with us about your journey, your background, and also how someone pursuing computer science from the University of Toronto ended up advising tech startups in tax and compliance matters? Yeah, Harry, that's a that's a great question. So I'll, I'll, I had a very interesting journey for sure, and I and I do get this question quite a bit, you know. So so people always ask me, you know, um, uh, you know, how does someone who typically you know feel like that, where you're doing computer science engineering, uh, you know, your day to day is doing a lot of uh, development and and projects like that, and you end up in a kind of a completely different world, right, where you're you know looking at the helping companies themselves, businesses, tech startups, things like that. So uh, really, yeah, it started back in uh, university. Um, I, I think I coming out of high school always had an interest in um, you know problem solving and and uh, technology was just a uh, you know starting to bubble up you know you had the dot com at the time and uh, you know there was a lot of interest and there was a lot of um, you know you could see this is kind of where it was headed um, you know in terms of technology so I got into a computer science program at the University of Toronto and um, uh, I pursued that uh, back in my mind I always did like business um, I think you know coming out of school I did uh, I did a, I did some accounting um, I did a minor in business even in university so I think I always had that kind of interest in the sense that, um, you know, I wanted to maybe have something, but I didn't know what it was. So I worked in industry from for a number of years. Like I said, I was doing uh, software development, uh, testing, different different things. I worked for um, companies like IBM, and I worked for another company that does um, uh, sort of accounting software. Um, and then I, I had a sort of, a, you know, I had an opportunity come up, um, you know, it, this was uh, back in 2008, um, where, again, it was an opportunity for me to use some additional skills. So, you know, where I was able to work with clients, uh, client facing role, uh, opportunity to help you know, clients help companies, and I said, you know what? Let me let me take the plunge. You know, let me let me see. I was so fairly young, and and I said, you know, let me let me see what this is all about. And and that was right. my first exposure to kind of what I do now. Really, is 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 the world of um, you know, you call it consulting, you call it um, advising companies, being you know, help the companies in terms of how can we support them. And um, and that was my real ex- first exposure to the Canadian ecosystem in terms of um, programs and, and things like that. And then since then, I haven't looked back. I think I, you know, I think the, 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 the beauty of this role is I'm still able to kind of um, build on, you know, the, the, the knowledge that I had from a technology, computer science, software background, but more focused on the business development side, more focused on basically applying, you know, what we know about programs and being able to take that to companies um, and help them grow. So it's a, it's a lot more dynamic. So from my perspective, you know, that's that's really what I like about it. I like the opportunity to to work with our clients. I like opportunities to learn about emerging technologies. So it's really it's yeah. very cool, actually, you know, being able to be at the forefront of technology. So you're not just focused on that one piece of technology that you're working on, but you're seeing right. everything. You're seeing, and I've seen technologies come and go from, you know, when I started looking at mobile app development all the way to, you know, nowadays it's, you know, it's cryptocurrency and it's, you know, the, you know, 
the NFTs now, the blockchain, you know, it's it's really you see that evolution. And that's that's part of what I love. Like it, it's every day I learn something new. Every day I'm working with someone new and and um, and that's kind of that's kind of what it is for me. And so that's that's been my journey so far. So <laughs> that's really fantastic. I could see that passion which you bring to the game every single mm-hmm. day in the rain. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, since you talked about the startups or ecosystem and the tech companies, why don't you share with us, Narain, as to what is it that really differentiates or distinguishes the Canadian tech market, the Canadian startup ecosystem from the other parts of the world? Yeah, I would say, you know, when you look at um, obvious hotspots of the world, like, you know, Silicon Valley comes to mind, obviously, in the US. And, and nowadays, it's it's not just the US, but there's other markets around the world. Um, we're seeing an emergent, um, uh, you know, base of talent we're really smart people you know coming out of um you know coming out of university programs coming out of college programs with great ideas i think the one thing that i've seen in canada and i mean i i could speak to this market the best is what has really uh, happened is there's been an increased support for companies so what's happened is when i was in school you saw very few entrepreneurship programs and very few uh, support systems and incubators accelerators and things like that now Every university in in, uh, in in Canada has some sort of a, an arm or some sort of a incubator system, which allows companies that are coming out of you know whether it's fourth year projects, research projects, to be able to take that and convert it into uh, an uh, you know an opportunity, an entrepreneurship opportunity, something that you know an incorporate company. And so there is that support system. So I think one of the yeah. biggest differentiators I've seen is there is a push for entrepreneurship. So the idea is if you have an idea. Uh, there will be someone here that can help you take that idea to the next level, right? And so that has been a dramatic difference in you know what I used to see, and I think that's that's it's pretty interesting from 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 a Canadian perspective in the sense that um, you know before you know people had probably had ideas, and I think we all had ideas in, in the past, and it's how do you get someone to you know help you foster that idea and bring and bring it you know to fruition, right? And and so that's that's really been nice to see because then you have I've you know worked with companies you know. 21 year olds 22 year olds who are coming up with fascinating things solving real world problems and especially in the last little while when you look at you know everything with the with the pandemic and everything like that we're seeing a lot of solutions come out of it so i i think that's been great so you know even my, myself personally i'm involved in a number of these um you know accelerators um, you know do presentations um act like as almost like a mentor to to these groups because what we can do is can we can say hey like how can we help you you know take your idea uh and and build a company right from that right. idea right and so that's kind of the the very interesting thing I, and i think the other thing is just you know what we're going to talk about what i do here is there's a lot of uh, government support as well so from the canadian okay. government we have a whole uh, call it arm there's a innovation canada uh, you know group what they're really focused on is how can we help companies um, get that level of funding to get them to the next level you know a lot of companies don't want to you know dilute they want to be non-dilutive they don't want right. to give up interest how can they what kind of government support programs and i think um i can speak to this for sure like the canada's uh, r&d program is an example stacks up right with any other r&d re- regime in the world in terms of its ability to help so i think i think that's the biggest thing um and and then the other thing that we're also recently seeing is um you know you are seeing a lot of um support programs like um, visa programs programs for companies wanting to establish in Canada. Right. So there's been an increase of that, you know, migrants uh, coming in with, and there's support from the business side. There's also support from other entities like accounting side, legal side, 
helping companies establish in, in the country. So all around, it's starting to become like this um, uh, you know, ecosystem, this hub for support. And, and uh, I'm really glad to be a part of that sort of growing trend in Canada. So. Right. So, so definitely in the rain, you know, it, it again reinforces the belief that there is no limitation of money in this world. The only limitation which you have is of the ideas. Once you have the idea, people will be there to support you and to push you to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement. I, I'm, I'm a believer in, you know, you know, cream rising to the top. You know, I think um, if you, if you if you have that support and you have those great ideas, um, the hope is that it can turn into something, and it can be turned into something that um, is valuable. And and the other interesting thing is, like a lot of these companies have great stories, you know, and they're they're solving problems uh, right. that they faced in their own life, and and it's something that um, many many others can benefit from. So we we definitely need to see these ideas turn into companies, right? So that it's for the betterment of for the betterment of society in general so surely i mean there are exciting times ahead uh so, so narin talking about uh, the role which you are currently playing in your organization and particularly in in the vertical rdgi i want you to share with our listeners as to how this idea of rdgi you know uh took place and particularly the critical role you played in shaping up this vertical yeah, for sure. So RDGI is a research and development and government incentives. So in in Canada, um, there are kind of two types of programs. So there's incentive programs or tax incentive programs, which essentially give companies tax breaks or tax credits for investments in, in, in R&D. And on the other side, you have government grants, which are kind of the opposite. Government grants act as a sort of boost or upfront mechanism to fund projects. Uh, or and, for, and it can be in a different number of different areas. So high, things like hiring, training, um, you know, market expansion, um, just general growth, you know, capital, all that sort of thing. And so this vertical um, is very interesting in the sense that it's, um, it's kind of part of our tax division. Um, And what happens is, um, companies can really access um, these type of programs from very Excuse me. From very early on, so the nice the nice thing about this is once a company is incorporated and they're starting to either invest or or looking to invest, we can help them. You know, so the so the beauty of the the RDGI vertical is that it's a really nice entry point for companies. So a lot of companies, you know, the the mindset sometimes is, oh yeah, you know, we might be too early for these types of things or thinking about things. I always say no. Like I always have that like to have that conversation early on well it's it's is better once you're obviously uh, incorporate your entity because then we can help you with those programs specifically but um it, it is good idea and and my role in this vertical is to really look at given my background um i i'm really focused on sort of the it space so really looking at software technology companies um just just to mention like rdj is not restricted to tech companies um it's okay. it's broad right so it could be any companies that are doing things and we have clients in you know manufacturing pharmaceutical food and beverage so we have a variety. My role is specifically around that. I would say that's probably predominantly um, made up of you know the software IT sector, as you can imagine nowadays. Even in I have clients in you know manufacturing that are building software. You know, so it's software and AI now. I mean, it touches almost yeah. every <laughs> vertical in some way. Every aspect, right? Every aspect. So so since since I joined Grant Thornton um, six years ago. My, my goal is to really push this uh, tech sector, this tech startup space, um, to, to try and help as many companies in that space take advantage of these programs, right? And so that's been my goal um, uh, really across the country to, to, to work. So 
that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. So, right. Uh, so, so Narin, uh, let's take a scenario. A startup approaches you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's been incorporated. It's more than one year in operations. They have around hundred set of customers. Yeah. Now, from there on, once they approach you, what kind, mm-hmm. what kind of services you're gonna offer to them, or handholding will be there yeah. for such clients. Yeah, absolutely. So like I, I always um I'm a big proponent of having the conversation. You know, like I want to understand what companies are looking for. You know, what where are they? What stage are they and how can we help them? So essentially there's a number of um different things that we can look at. The biggest one is the the government's R&D tax credit. So the SRNED program in Canada, um like I was mentioning earlier, is one of the most um lucrative tax credit programs across uh, the globe. Um really essentially what they need to be doing and in your example I think is a good one, right? Where you have been incorporated, you have a customer base, you don't even have to really have revenue. So the nice thing about the program is that it's looking more at how can we help you grow, right? So if you've incurred costs, it's a way to reimburse some of those costs through our taxation system. So essentially, you've incurred costs, you've hired some people to do, you may be building a prototype, or, you know, before you're actually even in, in market or commercialization phase, yeah. you're, this is, there's a lot of burn, right, happening, right? So there's right. a, you know, there's a lot of R&D going on, again, whether it's the, the talent, whether it's, you know, you're building out a prototype, you might have other costs. How can we uh, reduce that burden, right? How can we, you know, take that, give it back to you so that you can, again, reinvest in the company and then take it to the next level. So a lot of our conversation or a lot of what we do is around that program. Essentially, do you qualify for the program? Um, what sort of expenditures do you have that could qualify under the program, right? So trying to maximize um, what you can claim. Um, there's a lot of reporting requirements, as you can imagine, with any government programs. Uh, that, right. That's where a lot of like yeah. is. Yeah, there's a lot of compliance. There's a lot of, um, you know, regulatory, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to do. And so one of the big things that I find is, Sometimes, you know, as a startup, I'll talk to them and say, hey, like, you guys looked into this program and they'll say, well, you know what? Yeah, we have, we just don't have the time, you know, like this is a, it's a mm. big burden. We have, we're focused on our business. You know, I, I hear that every day. You know, the biggest, one of the biggest um, detriments sometimes to to accessing these programs is just making yourself available. And, and then right. there's that knowledge gap, right? Companies, what I find is they're really good at their idea. They're good at what they want to do. But when it comes to other aspects of business, that's when they need help. And that's not... Right. That's not their fault, and that's, that's when they that's, and that's when they reach out to you guys. <laughs> that's when they say that, that that's what they should be doing, right? To be quite honest, yeah. like it's like, yeah. let us take that for you. Let us take that aspect of you know we're we're gonna need to work with you, but our our, our programs are really designed to be seamless in a lot of ways. You know, to because yeah. we work with the sector, the startup sector so often, right. um, we want to shoulder that burden. We want to um, be their partner in a lot of ways. So we're we're helping them build out um, processes, right? So this is an ongoing program. This is not a one-time program. So every year you, you could be doing R&D for years, obviously, right? Before you reach a commercialization stage. And even after right. you reach commercialization, you could still be doing R&D on other things. So this program is an ongoing program. We want to set you up. We want to help you. But we're here to provide a lot of that support. And the other big thing is the programs, this R&D program in general, uh, there is a review element or audit element from the government as well. So as you can imagine, the government um, is the government. So they're, they they want to make yeah. sure that their money is being you know given out wisely and it's given right out to the place. right companies. Yeah. So companies have to follow those um, procedures, like I mentioned. We also get involved in that because we have a, you know, a good relationship with, with we, dealing with the government on a daily basis. Um, 
that's another piece of um, you know value we can bring to our clients in the sense that you know if I, if claims get reviewed, we're we're sitting with them. You know, so there's that comfort. Like it's not just hey, you're off on your own. You know, trying to defend. <laughs> you know, this could be you know millions of dollars that you're spending, and you're you're, you're nervous about you know is this something the government is going to approve? We want to make sure that you're putting in something that's solid that can be defended. And then if you need to be defended, we're there with you, right? To to work through that right. process. So it's a it's an all inclusive process. That's really the R and D side. On the grant side, there's a there's a lot of different things that we can do. So, for example, there's programs for um, you know uh, hiring programs. Um, so, if you're looking to you know br- let's say bring on a new hire, uh, again, typically a lot of these revolve around STEM field nowadays. So, technology, as you can okay. imagine. So, right. um, students, you know, you're going to subsidies. You you want to get some you know a student in for uh, a cheaper cost, right? Uh, you know th- that that's something that we can help with. Um, there's other innovation programs that are called, there's a program called NRC IRAP in Canada. It's kind of like the R&D, SR&D program, but it is more of a grant. So the idea is I want to be doing something. I have an idea for this project. I don't, I need funding for it upfront. And so once you're in a stage where the company says, okay, this is something that, you know, could benefit Canada for job creation. Yes, we'll, we will fund you a portion of uh, an individual salary to go ahead and work on this project. So there are programs like that. That's just kind of a flavor of it. Like there's there's a lot more, but um, I'd say the biggest theme for us is let's have a conversation. How yeah. can we help you, and how can we maximize under these programs? So we think that you know one, two, three programs are a good fit for you at this stage. Next year, maybe a few more programs open up for you, and it's that ongoing dialogue and conversation, and um, you know, a mentoring and, and being able to work with you in the long term. Right, I, I totally get that, Narain. You know, so you you have the best service in place to offer to your clients. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, whenever we hear the word grand Thornton, there's a, there's yeah. a belief it's it's a big firm uh, must be there to get to the big large clientele. You know, so how, is is this notion right? Uh, and also, you know, how, how startups when they already cash crunch, they're bootstrapped. Will be they in a position, you know, to even afford such services? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So, and I to the first point, yeah, Grant Thornton is a big firm. I mean, there's uh, when you look at um, you know uh, worldwide, uh, we have a, a large presence. Um, so, but I think the misnomer is that we only work with large clients, which is which is completely the opposite. So the idea is we have the services that companies will require throughout their life cycle. So starting from you know, and a lot of our services that I mentioned start from right after incorporation. Right till things like exit or you know complicated audits, so we can be there for you. So we're really what we call a mid-market firm in the sense that we have again big service offerings, but we focus on SMEs, small, medium size. I'd say the vast majority of our companies fall into that space. Like we have some larger clients, but we really honestly don't play in that space. Like we look at owner managed companies, private companies Um, in Canada, for example, uh, we run a private business growth awards every year, just as an example, right? It's an important space for us. So um, it's in, in the sense that it's nice because we can help. We have that personal touch, that reach, that ability to help smaller companies, um, but we have the breadth of services. And what I what I often say for when it comes to fees and things like that, so we have, we're pretty strategic around um, how we do that. We, we know, you know, companies in the early stages are not going to be able to spend a lot on these type of services. Right. But at the same time, they won't need 
all of these services. So the idea is we're not going to give you, you know, we're not going to give you the big thing right away enterprise, if you don't need enterprise plan. We don't need the enterprise plan, right? Startup offerings. So as an example, yeah. like um, every company needs a, you know, needs to file a corporate return every year. That's a given, right? So can we can we package that with one of our, you know, you know, R and D services and grants? Yeah, why not? And then put that together, you know, get, you know, get the company going, you know, a couple of years, then, then they say, Hey, like we have, we're looking at a major expansion. You know what? Yeah, yeah, we can help you now. Maybe there's, there's, uh, you know, more involved for us. It's, it's that relationship building. And, and so definitely we can help. We're, we're competitive in the early stages. And as an example, one of the nice things about our uh, R&D program we do it on a, we have a nice offering. It's almost like a contingency contingency fee or success fee offering. So the idea is you're not actually incurring any fees until you actually get your money back from, from, from the government. So, you know, as a startup, you're not having to pay out of pocket, really. What you're looking at is once you get your money in the door, we'll take a, we'll take a cut of that. It works for everybody and it's fair. And, and it's, it's, it's quite a, uh, sort of popular sort of feast feast strategy so we're pretty um we're pretty flexible and we're we can be creative fantastic so Nareen, uh, uh talking at a macro level you have been working uh, uh in this space for a long time now how do you see startups disrupting the tech space in north america market and particularly canada and also if you can share a few emerging trends which you have seen in this market from the last one year yeah, so I mean, there's been a lot of disruption. Um, you know, I think when you look at um, the different groups that I was mentioning, so you know, for example, in Toronto, we have um, there's J and J Johnson Johnson has their J Labs. Uh, they're across the world now as well, and they're doing a lot of different things in the pharmaceutical, uh, you know, d- drug discovery and things like that. From uh, you know, um, devices, you know, medical devices, we're seeing a lot of that. And I think the biggest, the big one of the biggest things we're seeing is AI. Um, and so there's yeah. a, a been an entire sort of super cluster uh, we're calling it in Canada. So the government has made specific investments in this sector. And so AI, and I was talking to somebody this the other day, like AI is such a broad term, right? So when it right. first started out, it's like it sounded like, you know, AI is going to be, uh, you know, what is it? You know, what is AI? What 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 is it going to do for us? And but what I've seen is specific applications over the last little while where AI is being used. So you know, we've seen things in, um, you know, everybody has you know a- a- echoes and, and 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 the Google systems now for for voice technology. So we've got right. clients in those type of spaces. You know, AI um, is disrupting things like the legal tech industry. So if you can imagine in in Toronto, actually, there's a there's a legal innovation. Um, uh, you know, zone as part of Ryerson University's legal innovation zone, and ex- they focus on legal tech companies. So I've got a client, for example, that's doing um, uh, disrupting the will space, if you can imagine. So if you know you have to do your will online now, they're able to complete a will in a matter of minutes. This was to be a, an archaic process where you, you know you had to go to a, a get involved with a lawyer and, and spend a lot of time. They've sort of made that a, a very fast process, right? We've got clients that are doing things that, especially, yeah, I find in, in, in legal and insurance tech and real in, in, in real estate, um, there's a company that's doing, um, for example, if you need to get, um, you know, a process for a loan or a, like a mortgage product, you know, um, you know, the ability to do all of those sort of checks in the background in a matter of minutes, right? So these are, I think, the big thing that we've seen from a technology is being able to take 
tasks that used to take very long time, involve a lot of people, but just simplify. And nowadays, you know, the big thing is people don't have time, you know, and we want to be, uh, you know, we want to make things faster. And and so that's where a lot of this AI technology has really made things go faster. It's made things um, simple and, and you're able to do things from the comfort of your home, right? And so where I've seen a lot of disruptive technologies is in that. Look, when I was when I was coming out of school, you know, we didn't we didn't know what legal tech was. We didn't know what, you know, uh, reg tech was. We yeah. didn't know what uh, fintech was, right? And, and health tech. Um, in the last year, um, you, you were asking about that. I think um, two things stand out. So ed tech. So as you can imagine, with COVID, um, one of the emergent things I've seen is being able to do um, online education. So tutor, I've got a couple of clients, for example, that are doing online tutoring um, and building technology, building um uh, very sophisticated technology to support, um, you know, learning systems online. So that's been a, a big one. Um, and then the other one obviously has been, you know, just from a health tech perspective. So clients being able to do virtual visits um, with doctors, um, you know, just being able to facilitate that. And you can imagine now with, you know, you're seeing it all across the world, just the the challenges that we're seeing from a, from a healthcare perspective, how can we, you know, make that better? You know, how can we make um, things like virtual visits, things like clinical records, you know, management, right. you know, managing all of that? Um, you know, so those two things, I think, in the last little while have really been disruptive. I think there's a lot more, obviously, room for disruption. But in a, in a, in a nutshell, I think what it has been is taking tasks that normally would have been you know very time consuming very tedious um and applying some level of technology to just to make lives easier i think that's that's been a big big thing that i've seen in the last little while so great uh Narain, since you talked about the covid i want to have your perspective on this how's been the response of startups to covid been like you know uh, have they been able to scale up their operations or has it led to the more startups getting shut down how how you have seen this growing? Yeah, um, from from what I've seen, my perspective, and I guess a lot of my clients, a lot of companies in this space have been fortunate. Um, I think uh, overwhelmingly, a lot of companies have still done well. Obviously, they've been disruptions. So I think when everything hit kind of this time last year, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, what we saw even in the um, even in the government sector is there was a bit of uh, apprehension at the time. A lot of um, there was a lot of uncertainty, right? There was a lot of unknown. So what happened was just a lot, you know, a lot of things kind of slowed down. Uh, it was kind of a wait and see for a little while. But um, what I think was, you know, eye-opening was uh, a lot of companies that I work with in this sector, um, a lot of what we're seeing now with COVID is not new to them in the sense that remote work um, is not something that was new to them. You know, having team members in different locations and not having to be in the same space, you know, was not something that was necessarily new to them. So, um, and being able to offer things, you have a, a, a internet connection and your business is running, right? And Boom. so, the, you know, <laughs> that I think what has been, has been, predominantly what i've seen from a lot of um uh from a lot of my clients in this space and in, in the startup space in general uh, and obviously you know obviously there have been cases where some companies have been impacted than others depending on the industry so if you look at you know uh the travel sector hospitality you know certain sectors like that come to mind even you know companies that i've had in those sectors that build technology they, they have obviously felt it a bit more right just be, because of their client base but the companies that have been able to deliver their services um kind of in the same manner that they're used to SaaS companies if you think about it 
it's it's not brick and mortar, right? It's it's a it's an offering that you know subscription model. They're still you know able to do things that they were doing. Um, you know, I think after I would say after the adjustment period, um, things have come back fairly well. I was even asking about you know investments and you know deal flow. Again, I think it has come back um, in the sense that it it took maybe a little bit longer to get things going once the once COVID hit, um, but. But things are relatively smooth again. I would say in in you know in the in the tech sector, um, in terms of um, just being able to operate and being able to you know take advantage of funding and things like that. So uh, for the most part, it's gone well, and I think that that bodes well for coming out of it, right? Because if you've been you know, if you've been sort of staying afloat and, and even maybe even doing well and certain sectors, like I was mentioning, like clients are telling me in ed tech and health tech and uh, these sectors where there's been a need coming, specific needs that have come out of COVID. And if you don't, you don't want to look at the, you know, kind of the positive side of this, but there have been industries that have been able to disrupt as a result of what's happened, obviously. Um, but I think it, it bodes well for companies coming out of, out of COVID in the sense that, um, you know, the hope is that they'll only get stronger. So um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think that's been the messaging in, in, from what I've seen. So Great. Nareen, it's been said that 90% of startups shut down within the first three or four years of their operations, you know. Mm. So definitely there's a time in their business cycle, in their mm. life cycle stage, when they reach a point when they are short of funds, they don't have money in hand. There's a financial instability. Mm-hmm. You know, and some and from someone who has been an industry veteran who has who has worked closely with the startups, can you talk to us about the ways through which a startup can prepare themselves for a financial instability before it actually happens? Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, I, I think what you want to look at is um, aligning yourselves kind of with the right people. I mean, I think that's a really important part of you know. It sounds it sounds kind of it sounds kind of um, something that you might not hear. You know, for some companies coming out at early stage, you know, like being have having that sort of uh, group around you. But I think an important part of um, what companies want to do is set themselves up for success in the sense that you you want to align yourselves with the the right groups. And so, not just from a funding perspective, but from a legal perspective, from a from an accounting perspective, from a you know from a funding perspective, you're looking at your partners in um and 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 what really i find helps set you you know prepare for that situation is looking at what are the available avenues for you so i've talked about one aspect of it so when you look at government funding but i'm a big proponent of look if you can get into an accelerator or an incubator that has a pitch competition or you're mm-hmm. getting put in front of the right people early on um, and making those connections, seeking out all, you know, avenues for funding. And obviously that's the biggest question I always get is, you know, funding, right? What, what are the sources of funding? How do we get funding? Being open and being uh, um, sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, available to take advantage of all of those opportunities, I think is, is where I've seen the companies separate themselves. Companies that are, um, involved with everything they're they're hunting they're looking at every single program that's available because my my thing is these programs are there for these companies to access and whether we're going to help you access it or someone else is going to be that's that's the idea right so these programs are for are there for you so you should be trying to go after them so you know and if you are not able to that's where you want to kind of work with partners like ourselves to say hey we want to bring you guys in 
and help you yeah. identify those opportunities and making that investment early on. So again, it looks like something where it's like maybe there's a bit of potential cost involved to try and have those solid partners, you know, working with a, whether it's a Grant Thornton or somebody equivalent on the legal side, who's, who's very strong. I think it's going to pay dividends in the end because you, you're getting the right advice right from the beginning. Um, and it's going to set you, set you up for future in the sense that you don't want to kind of go at it alone and you're kind of, you're struggling. You're kind of meandering. It's like a maze sometimes, right? And right. you're and you and and that's where the companies struggle because they maybe have not taken advantage of those other opportunities. And I see it a lot because I see two companies that are very similar in a very similar space, and they're both you know very could have patent pending technology, but one for some reason is doing a lot better than the other. And and I always look back and I say, hey, do, and I think you know wh- wh- why is that the case? You know these are bright people. It's, it's a lot of what I said. It's kind of aligning yourselves, taking advantage of those opportunities. And it doesn't mean going after, you know, seed refunding right away. You know, that's not the idea. The idea is what can you do with kind of what's available to you now, making the most of those opportunities. And, and that seems to be a, a good indicator for success. And, right. and you know, and, and, that's, and those, those companies seem to do well in the long term as well. So making the most of the resources and try to be in the... Uh, hands of the right people. <laughs> yeah, right place, right time. Sometimes it's luck, right? Sometimes it's who you meet and who you get connected to. But some of these people that I know are very well connected, you know, and, and they they put themselves out there. And as an entrepreneur, it's not always easy, but they're putting themselves out there and say, hey, look, I'm here. I'm trying to build this business. What is there for me? Let, you know, where can I find help? Asking for help sometimes is, you know, it's sometimes one of the hardest things to do. But in, especially from what I've seen, you don't want to be going at this alone. You want to have the right mentorship. You want to have the right partnership. Um, and and that's when you'll do well. At least in this market, um, that that's when you'll do well. Um, and you could kind of only go so far on just your your idea, and you know, and and you, and you want to focus on that. That's great. You want to build on that. You want to get bright people in and, and work on that. Let other people help you kind of build other parts of your business. Yeah. I guess. So. And, and as they say, you know, if you want to go yeah. fast, go alone. If yeah. you want to go far, further. Go as a team. Go together. Exactly, exactly, and and it, it that is that exact mindset I've seen. Um, it's a team, internal team, as well as your external team. I think is is very important. You know, who who are you aligning with? Who are you yeah. working with? What opportunities are you seeking out? So, yeah, great. I'm totally loving this conversation with you, Narain. You bring so much to the table. Taking this conversation ahead with you, mm-hmm. I believe fifty. 60% of your time uh, goes towards working on the claims, the compliances part, and the balance, 40-50% of your time is devoted towards the business development side. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually excited and curious to know, how do you get new clients on board, Nareen, you know, mm-hmm. But from your experience, what works best to get startups as your clients? I, I think what it starts with is um, is doing a good job. <laughs> really, it sounds simple, but really being there for your clients and and um, being that sort of trusted you know uh, advisor goes a long way. Because what happens is, and I, I see this every day, is uh, this ecosystem is um, is a, is a close knit group in a lot of ways. It's obviously made up of a lot of companies, but companies talk to each other, right? So the idea is, um, you know, um, you know, you have a company that's, that's taking advantage of some of these programs and they know someone else who's in a similar boat and they say, Hey, you know, like who, what, do you, what programs are you guys taking advantage of? Who are you working with on these programs? You know, like we, we need to talk to somebody. So I would say a lot, a lot, number one, referral base, you know, just having, um, you know, existing clients act as a referral source for, for doing good work. Um, it has been, has been really, uh, has been really key for me. And so that's where I want to be. When where I talked about companies being in this ecosystem, I want to be 
I want my feet in there. I want to be known. I want to be, you know, that person that when people talk to other companies and say, hey, like, you know, you should reach out to, to Naren. You should reach out to Grant Thornton because, you know, they can help, right? So I think it comes down to that. There's that reputational uh, aspect to it, right? So they know that, you yeah. know, you're, you're seen as someone who does good work. So, so referrals are one. Um, the other one that I've really been over the years, um, you know, really been able to leverage a lot is uh, using uh, social media and in general, LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn has been a great uh, resource for me. Just um, when you look at the, again, if you look at this ecosystem, a lot, you know, this is where a lot of things happen, right? Whether it's, you know, you're looking at um, the ability to share content, um, everyone's on there, um, really immersing yourself in that world. Um, there, yeah. there are, there are pl- other platforms now, you know, you look at, you know, Twitter and I guess Cl- Clubhouse, um, you know, is, is a recent kind of... Many uh, baby on the board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, 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 next, the next one. But I think LinkedIn for me in the last, you know, at least 10 years or so has been um, a really, really good resource just for the ability to connect with companies, yeah. see what's out there. You know, as an example, sometimes you, you'll, you'll be able to easily follow where people are going. So I've been able to get work where, you know, I've, I've been working with a, a CTO at a company. He moves on to another great venture. So as a lot of, a lot of these guys are, you know, serial entrepreneurs, they're going to be doing something else. I, w- I want to be involved in the next one, right? So it, sure, it's yeah. kind of following uh, following people as they go in their careers. And I've, I've been able to do that. And um, so that's that's been good. I, in, a, in a lot of ways, LinkedIn, you know, talk about cold calling. LinkedIn is kind of the new cold calling in some ways. And it's it's how yeah. you use the platform. But I, I've had a lot of success with it. And, you know, even being able to leverage um, things like LinkedIn has a recommendation feature, right? Where, um, you know, clients can, a lot of people that I work with can, you know, have testimonials there you know so your linkedin profile is kind of like your 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 selling point in a lot of ways right it has you know what you do it has a lot of what your your success stories and, and a lot of that so letting that kind of work for you um yeah. I, I think has been really key um and then the other one last in the i've been a you know big big thing for um i guess this is new to it as well you know things like uh, like podcasts i think are a great way to get the exposure out but just in general just being in that world you know networking um, you know, that's a big thing for me, you know, reaching so, out to the maximum number of people. Exactly. That network, right. That reach is, is like you said, you want to build that network. So whether I, I don't look at it as, Hey, let me go and seek out someone for, uh, I want to sell them a service. I, I never do that. My thing is how can I connect with you and bring value to you? And how can I learn about what you're doing and be there for you? I never go into it saying, Hey, like, you know, I'm trying to sell you something. I'm not a salesman. I, I want to learn about your business and whether I, you know, it, it, sometimes opportunities don't come overnight, right? So it might be a, a long-term play where I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of, you know, just mentoring, you know, just w- talking to you, spending time, you know, seeing how your business progresses. Um, yeah. And what? And maybe in a year, maybe you, you have a need and, and we can work together, right? So there's no, um, I don't look at it as a, you know, um, uh, the success factor has to be like, I have to have to sell a certain service to a certain client that I'm talking to. No, like that. that's not the mindset. You develop the mindset of, I'm here to to help, and if I can help you with something, sure. And if I can look, if if it's not something that you need right now, and you need something else, I'll try to find, you know, the same way. I'm trying to kind of find the next uh, someone else to help you with it, right? So it's it's that approach that I think has been has been successful for me. So you know, talk about events, talk about just the networking. In the last little while, it's been a little bit more challenging with virtual events and stuff like that. But um, we have a big conference here in. Um, it, it, you probably, I don't know if you've heard of the Collision Conference, so that's happening over okay. the next three days. So I'll okay. be, you know, joining that from a virtual perspective, so trying to get involved in that. Uh, and then the other thing I do as well is um, really, it kind of goes along with events, but uh, try to do, you know, try to do presentations. So, you know, whether it's going out to a lot of these incubators, accelerators, you know, the university groups, um, and just coming in and, and talking about what we do. Kind of like what I'm sharing today, but just, um, just 
you know, putting our name out there to say, hey, like, this is how we help in this space. Because, again, there's, there's sometimes that, um, uh, you know, they, they don't realize that, you know, companies don't realize that a company like us is there to help. Uh, individuals like myself are there to help even you at the early stages. So just that kind of, you know, recognition that, um, you know, kind of sharing that, you know, knowledge um, right from the early stages. Um, you know, so 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 it's a it's a variety of uh, a variety of uh, you know ways that we that we build our brand and build our network and you know grow our group. So right. So so it's 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 like if someone asks you know like how did you get this opportunity or client on board? I I will surely tell that person that Narain was busy the last one or two years immersed in helping that client solve their problem and then then suddenly one day the opportunity strikes on the door as a <laughs> new business yeah yeah i think what it is is it's um my thing is the follow-up is just as important so it's not just hey you know have that first conversation and forget about it right i think you want to i, I uh, honestly even just for my personal i like to track how companies are doing i, I don't know it's just a, maybe it's like a a hobby of mine it's just like i want to see uh, in, in this ecosystem in the canadian system i want to see companies grow and do well and so there's always a inclination like when a company um you know one one of the big stories in canada is, is shopify right so years yeah. ago they were they were you know just like one of these players you know one of these small companies they had a handful of people you, you know they were building out this kind of e-commerce thing and and now you look at them and, and obviously they're an ex- maybe an exception yeah, to, yeah. to the rule but um you don't know where companies are going to go in the idea. I mean, you had that statistic earlier, Harmeet, about, you know, like companies, um, you know, not making it. And that's true, right? This is not a, uh, you know, this is not, not everyone. I look at it as a lottery ticket sometimes, right? Not every company is going to make it big, but they don't have to be Shopify, right? Like they, Mm. they, the idea is, can we get them to a state of, you know, a profitable company doing something that's, um, that benefits, uh, you know, others benefits the economy and, and is something that we can kind of keep homegrown. Cause I think one of the challenges that we have in Canada and, you know, is how do we, you know, how do we get companies all the way through? Right. So, you know, the idea is the R and D sec is good where we're still probably, could do a little bit better in Canada is commercialization, right? And how do we get them to the next level? How do we get them to keep their IP here, get their ideas to get it to market? Um, and then even beyond that, getting into the funding side. Obviously, if you look at other places like, you know, the US and other other economies, they still do, they still have more resources available. But um, I think, you know, I, I think I think it goes a long way to, to say that, like, even in the early stages, let, let's let's help you and let's help you right. let's help you thrive as a company so right oh, and, and even for our listeners just want to add this uh, information that this year 32 canadian firms have announced ipos and they're set to raise a combined 3.26 billion dollars yeah i mean i if you told me that t- like 10 years ago i would be i would say wow that's that's fantastic right i mean i, I wouldn't have uh seen that coming necessarily considering you know where things were but uh it's it shows it shows that we we have the the, the bright people we have the support systems we have the funding to do that right and so like i was saying shopify is maybe more of an exception but maybe that becomes more of the norm as we go cuz you hear about companies coming out of the valley and uh, it's kind of like Silicon Valley North is kind of the uh, is kind of the term now that I hear for uh, for companies here. So uh, right, yeah. right, great, Narain. Uh, so this brings us to the last segment of the show, which I call the one minute round. Mm-hmm. And you have a minute each to answer a few things, Narain. Sure. And here's the first one for you. Okay. What success means to you? 
I mean, success to me, um, I don't look at it as a, a sort of a financial. I think it's, um, I think it's doing what you like, uh, something that brings you uh, joy, uh, something that you know you feel good about, getting up every day and saying that I'm involved in this specific thing. Um, it's that kind of inner peace. I think that's that's what success is to me, in the sense that everything else kind of comes from that. If you're not happy with um, you know what you're doing on a day to day, and you you feel you know miserable about the the job you're in or or the business you're involved with, then you probably should be doing something else and and to find that level of uh, of success and I, I think that's what it is and and i think what goes with that is um be being around people that you want to be with that people that that support you and that you you, you support as well and i think that uh, kind of all goes together so i think that's what that's what i look at as success one book which you recommend everyone should read um yeah, I think the seven uh, effective habits of hi- uh, the seven uh, habits of highly effective people. Um, it's a, it's a really good book, and I, I'm a, I'm a, back to a big proponent of a lot of these sort of self help books. Uh, but that one really is is a really important one because it's it has a broad use case is not just for specific scenarios or specific things it can be used in all aspects of your life and so i i would highly recommend that book um for anyone whether you're in entrepreneurship or whether you're in um you know just uh you know looking to to le- learn about how to interact with people or your your friends or family or just in general like how to kind of navigate through life uh, i think it's a, it's an important book to to read so what's happiness for you yeah, it, it kind of kind of goes to success. What I was talking about earlier, but happiness, I guess, is a mindset. For me, it's um, um, you know being being part of something that you want to be with. That again, you can wake up each day and say that I'm uh, I'm happy that I'm doing this, that I'm involved in this, and I have. Um, it, it's also the people that you surround yourself with. I think that's an important part. So it's that kind of it's that holistic view of what am I doing? Who's around me? And I think, again, everything else falls from that. Everything kind of comes from that. So once you're happy, it's a state of mind. For me, it's a state of mind. It's a, it's that, you know, you know, when you look at things like, you know, this, this COVID thing over the year, it's like, how do you, how do you maintain that? Well, you know, what's, what's, it shows you what's really important, right. And, and what brings you, what brings you happiness. And, and, and to me, to me, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's doing what you, you know, doing what you love and, and being, you know, surrounded by people that, that, uh, that support you. The last line of your autobiography would read. The last line. Oh, that's a good one. Um, last line of a tree. You know what? I would say, you know, don't settle for, uh, on your dreams. Um, you know, keep, keep, keep uh keep trying until you find uh find something that makes you happy uh you know and, and the reason i would say that is just if you look at my you know my story uh it it, it i wouldn't have if you told me you know 20 years ago that i would be here i, I would say no i i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have seen it but i'm i'm very fortunate you know to be where i am and it's to take those you know take sometimes take risks and 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 you know, do something a little bit differently, right? And and look at things a little bit differently, and and you don't know where you're going to end up. So if you you know take a chance, um, you know maybe try something uh, out of your comfort zone, and you know you might end up somewhere that uh, is actually you know better than where you started. So uh, I think that that's what I would say. So, uh, Nareen, consider yourself to be standing in a room. You're the only person in that room. The lights are dim and it's a bit dark. 
then someone walks into that room this person comes and stands in front of you and this is the 20 year old narin he comes and stands in front of you and he looks into your eyes and very innocently asks you what's the best way to live life what would be your answer to this younger version of narin b yeah i mean i i think i think what it is is kind of what i what i was saying before is don't be afraid to take chances you know don't be afraid to follow the path that you know you're you you you're coming out of school you're doing this program and you're supposed to you know you're supposed to do this no kind of question question what it is you're doing question what it is that brings you happiness uh question what it is that you you who you want to surround yourselves surround yourself by and are you truly happy each day um when you wake up with the decision that you've made and where you are and if not you know make a change you know and and you know try something different don't settle for you know the status quo don't settle for uh kind of what is expected of you what the norm is at that time that, that that's what i would say is um you know that's kind of the advice i would give to my younger self and and you know question uh question everything um and you'll you know t- if you take those chances and you and you you know you eventually get to a point where you're again you can you can wake up and say yeah i'm happy with the decisions i've made i'm happy with where i'm at and you want to be you, that's what you want to get to i think you know you don't want to be in a position where you're kind of uh um regrets you know everyone's going to have regrets but you don't want to you know you don't want to have those regrets you want to have uh, a feeling that you you know you you maximize on what you were able to do and you're happy with those decisions so i think i think that's that's what i would tell tell them and obviously marry marry my wife uh, who <laughs> you know because that was the best that was the best decision i made so make sure that uh, you still do that because you know otherwise uh, everything else is probably not going to happen uh, happen the way it did so you know in, in all honesty i mean that's that's you know when i talk about you know surrounding yourself with the right people yeah, right. I couldn't have made a better decision there because everything else um, was kind of easy after that. So, uh, yeah, so so that's my advice. Right, so. right. In, <laughs> trust me, yeah. it, it's been such an honor and a privilege listening to you, talking to you today, and learning from you. You know, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's it's yeah. great to have you here with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Harmeet. I uh, really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you bring a really good perspective to, um, to to this uh, to this space, and you know, through your other conversations as well. It was, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure being here. So. Right. So, Narain, before you leave, let me ask you: What's the best way for people to connect with you? Um, best way is probably LinkedIn. I think, um, you know, when you look at, um, just being able to, to, to see, you know, it looks like, you know, all my contact information is there. Um, I'm a you know, email person as well. So, you know, that, that's probably the easiest way, but through my LinkedIn page is probably the uh, the way I would recommend. Right, right. Thank you so much, Narin. And like, I, as I said, you, know, you always bring so much value to the table. Thank you so much once again for decoding the Canadian startup ecosystem with us today. It was fantastic having you here today with us. Thank you so much, Armin. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Harmeet. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on harmeetspeaks at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with Harmeet for all the latest updates. 
I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes, remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day, your success will make all the noise. This is your host, Harmeet Singh, signing off. Goodbye.